are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Alok Apadurai. Alok is the founder of GoodElephant.org. He's a TEDx speaker, certified holistic mental health coach, and proud father. We'll be right back with Alok, but first let's talk about being busy. I'm actually going to start with a quote today that I found by Robert Burton, the author of The Anatomy of Melancholy from 1621, and he writes... I write of melancholy by being busy to avoid melancholy. That is my life, I think. (laughs) Not writing about melancholy, but having this show on depression, I've gotten very busy and just the mere act of talking about it openly has helped me not feel depressed. And there's some magic in that. And I also think it's really poignant. This is from 1621. That's so long ago. And yep, the, the, nothing's changed. We're still human beings. We still get depressed. Because I often think it's like a modern malaise. And I know the poets of the Victorian era wrote all sorts of things about melancholy. They didn't necessarily call it depression. But 1621, I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> so it's just how we are. And I have been very, very, very busy. School has started up again, organizing exhibit for the students, doing a whole bunch of things with friends and family and events. It's just a busy time of year. And the beginning of the semester is always crazy. And for whatever reason, I am on this treadmill. I was talking with my partner about it last night. I'm just on this treadmill of go, 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 go. Hi, hello, okay, yes, next week. And I have this show. I'm thinking about starting a new radio show called In Search of the Great America that I think would be kind of an interesting thing to do to invite people to talk about what they think a great America looks like because I feel like that might be really different for different people. So I'm like, I'm going to take on one more thing, which seems crazy. And so... In amongst all this go, 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 I need to find time to not go and to relax. And I know there's some part of me that fears that may lead to being in bed with the covers over my head again. I don't think that's actually true. I think I'm well past the worst of my depression and in a space where the being busy is mostly healthy but it shouldn't be to the exclusion of really enjoying the people around me. Twice last week, I broke down in tears over feeling that I don't appreciate people in my life. One was in relationship to my mom because she gets all excited about things. She's retired. She's home all day. I come back. She's, Hey, this and this and this. And I can't get on board with her. I just am like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I thought, what a crappy person I am. (laughs) That's just mean and she's excited. Why can't I get on board with her excitement? Oh, I'm too busy. Well, that's not true. And the other one was a friend of mine at work who was trying to just stop by my office to chit chat. And while she's talking to me, I'm on the computer half ignoring her. So I came home and I called her up and I just said, you're a wonderful friend. 
I don't want to treat you like that. And she, of course, was like, what? What are you talking about? But just being aware of my engagement, it wasn't that I gave her no attention, but that I wasn't engaged with, I wasn't enjoying our conversation. I wasn't there. I wasn't present. So being busy and getting things done, but taking breaks. And and when I take a break, really take a break and appreciate the people around me. So on that note, I hope any of you who are having busy lives have a chance to appreciate the people around you. Much love, Laura. Today we have with us in the studio Alok Apadurai. Alok is the founder of GoodElephant.org, a TEDx speaker, certified holistic mental health coach, and proud father. Hello, Alok. Welcome to the Depression Session. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. So what's new with you? What are you up to? Well, life is proving really exciting and having a lot of doors opening, um, having this juxtaposition of the work that I'm doing with clients directly, also being balanced out against uh, the unveiling of my new project, which is GoodElephant.org. Uh, which is a global platform to bring together 2 million people by 2022, both to pursue finding clear self-worth and self-compassion, as well as a platform to change their purchasing decisions and take part in the changes that I want to see in the world. So I'm getting that um, energy of working one-on-one with people, as well as seeing a groundswell of good elephants forming a herd to do things at the local level where they are based. Uh, that is really, really exciting for me. And, and you were the owner of Fed by Threads, and that was kind of the mission there was like be conscious of your purchasing and how it affects people other places, right? I mean, that was... Absolutely. So my core belief has always been to do good. Since I was very young, there was sort of like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do in this world, but just make it be something that has a good outcome for people. And the more that I've asked questions about what that means to make a positive impact, it's led me on this journey. So first for the last five years, working in ethical fashion and looking at sweatshop labor and the environment and pesticides and, and all of that, as well as what are the ripple effects for job creation. So we are keeping those themes in Good Elephant, which is my next project. And so as part of funding Good Elephant, we are working with a women's uh, sewing nonprofit in Delhi to make little stuffed animal elephants out of natural fibers. We are working with a chocolate project in Sedona to bring Good Elephant chocolate to market, as well as working with local roasters here for Good Elephant coffee. So that for these kind of basics that people are doing in their daily lives, 100% of the net profits will fund our mission to mm. spread this self-compassion education that I really believe is the root of social good, is compassion and empathy. Yet these are tools that are actually not put into standardized education. Yeah. Right? So we're asking, why is there not more social good in the world? But when we say, where are people actually supposed to learn? And actually, we live in this hyper-competitive culture that looks to speed up the pace, as you were talking about, tear people down, make people feel inadequate, because then they'll buy more product yeah. to make them feel better about themselves. And this cycle is just increasing in rate. And so it's no surprise that we see 100 million people facing some form of mental health problems in the United States alone. So Good Elephant is really my kind of larger platform to say, how do we bring these tools of compassion that I've been learning in my own life over the last 10 years to change my own mental health, as well as that inspire us to shape projects that do good in the world? I don't know why it makes me think of this, but my class at the end of last semester, I asked each of my classes, 
just about their influence in the world. Do you feel like you influence your friends and family? And that was the starting place. And then I thought I'd ask about, do you feel like you influence your community, your country, the world? You know, what is your influence? We couldn't get past friends or family. They didn't feel like they had any influence in their friends or family. Yes. And I was shocked by that. And I said, why do you feel like you don't have any influence? There's just a couple of hands went up that they felt they had any influence. And they said, well, I just kind of go along with whatever, or I don't know. I was surprised at how disempowering that is. I thought, if you don't feel like you have influence, even with your friends and family, I couldn't even go to the other questions of like, what's your influence? Because we do, we have influence. I feel this strongly. We have influence from the simplest things of like how, how you use your water in your home <laughs> in the desert, right? Like just the simplest things, you have an impact. So there are no neutral decisions. There's nothing that we do in our daily life that has a neutral impact. Yeah. Right? So that's incredibly empowering. For some people, that's actually quite depressing, right? So they're <laughs> worried that every decision they make is going to have a negative outcome. And that is possible. But to understand that none of our choices actually do nothing, right? So we leave the tap on too long. That's a lot of water that goes down the drain. Uh, but conversely, there, each one of our choices can be incredibly positive. Right. And have tremendous ripple effects. And the, the joke that I say to people is that at the same time as people feel they have no power, have no agency, and that their choices don't matter, mm -hmm. global corporations are spending millions and millions of dollars to figure out exactly what you want. And they have whole teams dedicated to identifying what you want in order to get you into their ecosystem of buyers. Well, that is a perfect note to switch into. So, Alok, tell us the story of your depression. You know, depression and anxiety have been a two-sided coin since I was really young. And I don't think I even could have named it. And I don't even think I could have named which one I was experiencing. It plagued much my youth. I think it was a quiet, invisible force. I did a great job of being a popular kid at school, good at many things. Uh, but between a number of elements of alcoholism in my extended family, violence associated with that, whether it's verbal or physical in the extended family, and being a very sensitive empath that I am, I don't think I knew what that tornado was that was going on. And so it led actually to quite a bit of addiction. And so starting at 15, I started smoking pot. And all of a sudden, there was this countervailing set of forces. But the real turning point happened years later when my mom was battling cancer for the second time. Her cancer had been in my life since I was 15 as well. And I only recently connected the dots there. I started seeing a therapist in my early 20s. I didn't have much faith in what a coach or a therapist could actually do for someone. I was actually probably a pretty deep skeptic. I should be able to pull myself up by my bootstraps and fix this. That's the society that we live in. We should be able to work hard, dedicate ourselves, and fix ourselves. This is a narrative that pervades media, storytelling, so much of our cultural fabric. But I committed to going to this therapist because it was pretty dark and pretty paralyzing. I think both the combination of my mental health challenges with this external pending death of my mother. And 
I will never forget the session that changed my life forever. Uh, I had been to other therapists. A previous one had asked me about my addictions. And in that previous therapist, there was something that led me to not trust that woman. And so I lied. And I felt judged by her when I was even lying. I wasn't even telling her the full scope of my my pot smoking and my beer drinking. I lied. I minimized it. And even still, I felt the eyebrow raise. And I thought, well, I'm not even going to tell you the truth now. Of what's really happening behind the scenes that nobody knows about. They see me as this. I was a teacher at the time, teaching third and fourth grade. And I had this big public presence. And and so when I, I went to this, this new therapist, something about him made me trust him. And I told him the truth. I said... I smoke pot daily. I might drink beer daily. And I feel that I'm a really addicted person with severe addictions. And he sort of chuckled. But it wasn't a judgmental chuckle. And he just looks at me and goes, oh, you're self-medicating. And I had never heard that. I was 24 at the time. And I just sat there. I said, what are you talking about? No, I'm a really messed up, addicted person, and nobody knows this. And he said, no, you you are self-medicating. That is what's happening right now. You are trying to adjust the oscillations that are happening in your brain. You are trying to find a way through your mental health challenges. You're trying to even out from the depressive lows about the past and your anxieties about the future and pot and beer are actually bringing you into the present moment and you're letting the rest go for that time period. You are (laughs) self-medicating. And that was a revolution to shift the story in my mind from just this kind of flawed, broken person who has no self-control to someone who's doing their very best to understand the insanity of the world and the unexplainable pending loss of my mother way too early in my life and all of the other unknown variables of the alcoholism and the violence and all these other pieces that were there as part of a storyline in an extended family that actually had a lot of love in it. So it was these very confusing. We also didn't have a lot of money growing up. I went to schools with kids who had a lot more money. So we had kind of race, class, gender, these underlying progressive storylines that I understood from very early age, living in a neighborhood that was a complex neighborhood where there was also gun violence and things happening in West Philadelphia. So this was this backdrop for why would I want to smoke a joint and maybe just step out for a little while? Oh, I understand this better. Now, it would still be another 10 years of work But that turning point was right there, was you're self-medicating, you're trying to get a handle on this. So the journey over the next 10 years from kind of my mid-20s into my mid-30s was one of understanding my place in the world a little differently. Can I take some agency? I started realizing that a lot of my depression was also rooted in a clarity that the choices I was making in my consumer life were part of the global problems that I saw. And that was huge. So I started realizing, okay, I may not be able to get 
total handle on this mental health thing. And I may be self-medicated. And I'm probably going to do that for probably still another 10 years, which turned out to be true. But I'm going to start changing some elements of my life. I'm going to start showing myself that, well, maybe I can start having a little more compassion to animals. Maybe I recognize that the way I'm eating is feeding into some choices about the world that I know is having some outcomes that's leading to factory farming. And I'm going to open my eyes to some of the things that are happening externally. Can I begin to shift the food I'm eating? Can I shift the needs I have, these externalities? And that was amazing. So there was about 10 years of consumption change, reduce my impact. I may not be able to nourish the inside yet. That would still take another 10 years, which I don't think other people need to go through. But can I change my my external impact? And that was really empowering. That was incredibly inspiring was to start realizing, okay, I may have the self-medication issue. I may still have some form of addiction issue. I still may have depression and anxiety issues. But there began the baby steps of taking some control of my life. And so the next 10 years would be this really beautiful, painful, exciting, nerve-wracking journey of, of change, of saying, I'm going to make these baby steps of, of shifts. And I started realizing how comprehensive our life choices are, that they're both comprehensive and connected. So that was really exciting to start realizing, okay, I'm going to start changing the way that I eat. I'm going to change the clothing that I'm buying and all the ripple effects of all those things. I'm going to downsize the size of house that I need. I may start driving less. I began to prepare to be a father. What's the father? What's the life I want to provide when I have the opportunity to provide? So he and I have really grown up. My son and I have really grown up using compassionate communication. And all the time I'll say to him, does daddy talk to you like that? And he'll say, no. I'll say, that's right. Because we talk to each other with love, even when we're frustrated. I'll ask him how he's feeling and really create a, a backdrop for him starting from when he was very young that A, you can talk to daddy. B, if you're afraid or anything, daddy's right here for you. And he's got a loving mom as well who provides, we both, you know, co-parent like champs, um, even though we're not together anymore. And we've really kind of created, he's not grown up seeing people yelling at each other. He's not grown up. Um, I did go sober a few years ago. So he's really kind of growing up seeing a very different fabric of life. And that has been satisfying. So my journey to mental health has been one of embracing the things that I wanted to change about myself, reshaping how I look at those elements, shift how I communicate to the world, change who I spend and invest my time into, prioritizing those that are going to nourish my mental health, and then having an outlet to share those gifts with someone growing up in the next generation. Uh, It's really been an amazing, amazing ride and one that I realize that is available to anybody. And the first step is literally saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. I can't live like this. So some combination of working with a coach like myself, for some people that have 
you know, bipolar and kind of some of the really more serious, I absolutely say, you know, you may need to explore some, you know, medication and things that to not be afraid to really say, pull out all the stops. I'm going to be limited and I'm going to, I'm very honest with my clients of exactly the tools that I can help them put in place, but also not being unrealistic. You know, if your situation is really chemically based in your brain, that's going to need a certain set of help and tools. And let's not be afraid. I'm here to help you put all the experiences I've had and to condense the time frame. You don't need to have 10 years of your life go into getting there. You can acknowledge and address and speed up the journey to getting those pieces in place so that you can transform your life. You know, in October 2009, my mother died in my arms, finally, after her long battle in the bathroom of her apartment in New York City. And I dragged her dead, limp body across the hall into her bedroom and had to lay there feeling for a pulse. And in that moment, you just realize what matters. And I just want to say to people, don't waste your life on the stuff that will not matter when you're heading to your deathbed. And so that in February 12th of 2012, when my son was born, all of a sudden I saw the other end. I saw birth and that rebirth that can happen because all of a sudden I was like, I don't want him to waste any moments of his life on the things that we get caught up in that don't matter. That when you're toward, getting towards the end and you, you start shedding all those distractions of jealousy, guilt, insecurity, body image issues, none of that will matter. When you're dying. And if we look in various traditions like the Buddhist tradition where, you know, well, you're kind of dying every day. We're getting closer to that every day. Okay, let's get there right now. Can I speed up your journey to identifying what truly matters, embracing it, putting your efforts and energy there and getting a clear purpose? Because nobody's purpose is to feel horrible about themselves. So... For me, it's just been this amazing journey to start working with people one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's in person here in Tucson or via telephone or Skype anywhere in the world, um, as well as start creating a, a global platform that says that there is a way to change the world. It really starts by building how you feel about yourself. And that's, that used to sound so hokey-pokey, touchy-feely. And I've been touchy-feely. I've never been afraid of that. But this sort of nourish yourself, find self-compassion, it's like, I get to the listeners out there. You may say, I don't know what that means. And that sounds a little out there for me. But the work ends up being really concrete and it changes how you connect to everyone. You know, the research shows that happiness is rooted in deep human connection. And I'd actually like to extend that to say deep earthling connection. When we start seeing animals and nature as not different than ourselves, is not seeing us at the top of a pyramid with all these religious traditions that tell us that the world is our oyster and we should just consume as much as we want. But when we start seeing us as one of many, when we start living from a point of compassion and love for ourselves and for those around us, our lives will change. It, it just happens. And I now see it in more and more people. And you watch that transformation occur 
I get to smile and say, wow, I'm part of their transformation. They didn't even know they wanted a transformation. They just knew they didn't want to live the way they're living anymore. And I'll say there is a way out. There's absolutely a way out. And I'm here to hold your hand. I'm not promising it's going to be overnight. And it's absolutely got a lot of work involved. And it may have some decisions that are highly uncomfortable. But if you are just fed up living the way that you've been living, if your mental health is just getting in the way almost daily, call me. Reach out to me. You can go to my website, alokapotherai.co, or go to goodelephant.org. Find me somehow. Find me on social media. However you do it and say, I need some help. And let's get on the phone. Let's talk to each other. Let's see if I'm a good fit for you. I'll be really honest if I don't think I'm going to be, I'm not going to waste your time because frankly, time is really valuable to me. I want to connect to people that I think I can help go through a major transformation. And I honestly, I'm not really interested in doing one session. I want people who are ready to commit four, eight, 12 sessions because those are people that are really saying, I'm not looking for a magic trick. I'm looking for a process that's really going to overhaul my entire existence. Um, and those people, you see it, you just see it happen. And I'm ready to help anyone out there who's, who's in need. Alok, thank you so much for your story. And I just wanted to say, I applaud you for taking your experience and, and realizing like people don't have to go through 10 years of struggle and suffering. Gosh, it's painful. (laughs) Because I, I was, it's interesting because the last episode I talked to Montrose and he actually talked about the same thing of use every tool in your toolkit. Don't exclude anything that might work for you. And I think that we're very self-judging and it, and it builds, it, it goes out into the culture, like there's a culture of judgment about mental health. There's a self-judgment about if I need X, Y, or Z, there's something wrong with me because other people don't need that, rather than just saying, well, these are the tools that work for me. I'll do all these. Uh, I mean, think about it. We, we get education to train our intellect. We go to the gym or yoga to mm-hmm. train our body. We ask for help all the time. We go to driving school to learn how to drive a car, right? We, do, we ask for help all the time. But when I say to people, what help are you getting for your, for your mental health, for your emotional health, for how you feel about your existence every day? For, for people who are listening out there, uh, I welcome you to go to goodelephant.org. Join the herd. It's free. Um, these are a global community of people that are saying, you know what, I'm just I'm open to this notion of making some different choices and I want to be involved in community that's making better choices. So whether it's you'll eventually get our good elephant coffee or good elephant chocolate that'll be made with bean to bar with uh, cacao farmers in Mexico or whatever the case may be, all of a sudden you start realizing, well, I'm interconnected with people. I know where what I'm consuming is coming from. I actually like knowing. It actually makes me feel good. Oh, wow, I'm someone who makes good decisions for the world. And therein lies the path. I make good decisions for myself. I make good decisions for the world. So that when you get to your deathbed, you don't have the regrets of the dying, which I, I, I wish I had let myself live. I wish I had been happier. I wish I had done more for other people. You won't get there. You'll get there. I, one of the greatest freedoms I have now is that 
outside of the loss for my son, if I die right now, I know I will have gone out doing things that mattered for myself, my child, and for the world. I'm at peace with that. I will feel very sad for him to lose his father, but I won't have regrets right now. And that's amazing. Can we live a life that won't have regrets of the dying at the end of the road? That is a perfect way to end the show. Alok, thanks so much for being on the Depression Session. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.